Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. Super Bowl week is finally upon us. It's time for us to get into the weeds, talk all things, uh, you know, Rams, Bengals, who we think is going to win, what we think the keys to the game are. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're also uh, going to discuss a wild game or a wild week uh, for the Indiana Pacers uh, as we head towards the uh, trade deadline. Is it's They're pretty much it up. yep. Well, which is, it up. Look, that's what we wanted, and so we're very happy to you know see that happen finally. It. I, I not to you know give the game away at all you know what we're going to talk about a little bit later but it finally felt like you know it, there's some so there's some reason for optimism we it was, yeah. this was a team without a course you know um a couple of weeks ago it felt like and now finally it feels like they're going it's in, starting in a direction. to make sense it's starting to make sense finally but b scott first of all how was your weekend man how's how's your week since the last podcast uh snowed in like most of True. the state of Indiana snowed in uh, with a three and a two-year-old for four straight days. And like my mom asked me, so how was the weekend? I said, we survived. <laughs> that's that's the best answer you can give in those types of situations. We survived. Nobody got thrown out into the snow unwillingly. <laughs> and uh, nobody ended up in jail. Hey, that's sometimes that's all you can really ask for. Um, you know, I I took one look outside, even though it didn't take me really, you know, it, it didn't take much, but I took one look outside on Thursday and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to work today. You're like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna take my three-day weekend instead. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a, a very, a very um cold couple of days very snowy couple of days um but during that time since our last podcast uh we did make an announcement if you in case you missed it uh coming on february 25th you will see a new podcast on the channel uh the hoosier high school huddle and we also released our first um players of the week for boys and girls basketball that is on the 3c media channel so make sure you guys uh go check out check that out a lot of hype uh surrounding that but you know there's a lot of hype uh, surrounding the NFL right now, because of course it is Super Bowl week. Um, and, you know, of course, um, you know, which means we got through the glorified flag football week. <laughs> yes. That is oh so entertaining. Yes. We must first talk about the Pro Bowl. We've talked about the Pro Bowl in the past, really haven't really, you know, given it to, uh, you know, two thoughts most years on the podcast, because you're right, it is a glorified flag football game, essentially, which I mean, they might as well just play regular flag football. That would probably be a little bit more entertaining, that would be more entertaining. Yeah, it would. Um, but uh, yes, over the weekend was the Pro Bowl. Um, some notes from that one is the AFC won 41 to 35. Um, Kyler Murray went 18 for 27, 160 yards and three touchdowns. I, I got to say about Kyler Murray. Somebody got in his ear this past weekend. Somebody got in his ear and was saying things to him because for him to go out and completely remove any type of connection to the Arizona Cardinals on his socials got a lot of eyes turned towards him. Who who got in his head? Who got in his ear? I want to know. Yeah. I mean, a lot Taylor, of Darius Leonard, more like I Darius mean, Leonard. We'll see. I, I, <laughs> 
I definitely, I definitely am interested. I mean, part of me is like not, nah. you know, yeah, I was like, Hard part pass. Of me, yeah, I was like, part of me is not really thinking too much of it. Cause I mean, you do see that sometimes where guys will take teams, you know, out of their, he, he didn't just take them out. He deleted all connections. Like he's down to like two posts on that's his social true. media, on his socials right now. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that takes a lot of effort. That's like a, a PR move right there. Like that's not just him like last night going, mm, yeah, I think I'll do this. Like that's like some, some, the brain trust behind the socials. We're probably saying we're going to do this. We need to do it the right way. And cause that's a, that's a full clean cleanse right there. That's, yeah. a, that's a gut buster cleanse. But like, like what like why like where's he gonna i know well, who's I don't, a team? I don't know. yeah i was like who's a team that's going to i mean yeah kyler murray's got a lot of potential and and he is i mean the jury's kind of still out um on what kyler murray will be um but, but do like, you really want a quarterback that when he doesn't play good he just blames it on his wide receivers like they just weren't getting open like yeah well, no, you weren't getting the ball to them like and i mean yeah injury prone too. I mean, the last couple of years he's, you know, been nursing an injury. And so, you know, and that's been kind of, you know, the, the Cardinals apologists have been like, that's why they're, they've had bad seasons. last. It's not just him with the Cardinals. That's he's been nursing an injury. That whole team has been nursing an injury. I mean, look at the the wide receivers. They've all been injured. TJ Watt or, or JJ Watt. Yeah. The, the older of the Watt brothers was out. So all right, I got us off topic. I just had to put that in there. We're no, no, about. for sure. Um, and then we have Mag Jones, who uh, had a long uh, touchdown run that didn't count. He did hit the gritty, which was pretty yeah. cool. Um, he had Mark Andrews, <laughs> uh, five catches, 82 yards, and two touchdowns. And then Darius Leonard had a pick six. But I, I saw a post on Facebook, and it got me thinking of maybe a little bit of a palate cleanser topic here uh, to start off the podcast. Uh, there were six quarterbacks, uh, two, one for, uh, three for the AFC, three for the NFC, um, and it was about, like, the quarterback rooms, which one would you take? And so I kind of took that idea and was like, you know what? Taking those six Pro Bowl quarterbacks, who do we think is uh, – who will win the Super Bowl the soonest? Who do we think is most likely next up – to win the Super Bowl. You have from the AFC, you have Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones. From the NFC, you have Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, and Kyler Murray. So um, I think, you know, I want us to be, Scott, to have a consensus on this, which, I mean, our number one is going to be no matter what. I mean, <laughs> Pat Mahomes. Because, I mean, he's already won. I well, mean, right, but also is in the This best is his position. first year in, like, the past three years that he hasn't made the Super Bowl. Right. But also it's just the fact that he's on a, like you have no problem believing that he, he could win the Super Bowl next year. And, and oh, there's, yeah. there's doubts. I think there's significant doubts with all the rest of these guys on this list of whether or not, you know, when they're going to be in the Super Bowl, let alone win the thing uh, next. So that's why Patrick Mahomes, that's why I had no problem going one to six. Cause I know our, our number one is not going to be all that surprising in Pat Mahomes. Um, oh, you don't, one. you don't think Justin Herbert's number one? Uh, not as far as, yeah, I was like, not as far as most likely to win the next. Uh, but number two now, on my list, go ahead. Does it have to be with their current team? Because. Well, it's it's going by the fact that they have not changed teams yet. So, okay. yeah. So, like, yeah, if you put Russell Wilson or even, like, any of these guys on the Buccaneers, let's say, or something like that, then, like, yeah, I think that puts them – 
you know, in the catbird seats and potentially maybe. Maybe, maybe who knows. Um, but next on the list for me, number two on that list of who might win the Super Bowl, you know, the soonest uh, is Matt Jones. Um, you know, he's fit. He was 15th in QB rating this season. First amongst amongst rookies, his coach is Bill Belichick. So obviously that gives you a, uh, an insane leg up. You've got the fourth ranked defense, which that's Bill Belichick's uh, specialty in the AFC is much more wide open uh, than the NFC. So I think I, you know, you can let me know what you think, B Scott. I mm. think Mac Jones is number two on this list. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Like one is so easy, but when you look at the rest of this list, it's like, ooh, I, I really don't know if anybody else has a legit shot. Because, I mean, the Patriots and Mac Jones, I think, have probably the next best chance just because of their defense. And, you know, he's going to be there for a while. I mean, but I'm like, they need to get him some help. And that's just not something the Patriots have done very well here recently is finding skill position players. So, I mean, I think by default, just based off of the way these organizations have been, all these organizations have been run, I, I, I have to put Mac Jones as that too, just, just by default, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel real confident, and that kind of shows you the state of the Pro Bowl. That shows you how... Well, just, like, there was no Josh Allen, even. Right, no Josh Allen. If Josh Allen was there, I mean, that would be consensus, consensus probably two at at worst. Well, well, I mean, look at um, the top three seeds, uh, you know, from each side. I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't there. You know, what Josh Allen, like you said, isn't there. Um, you know, you know, so a lot of those guys, you know, Dak Prescott's not there. Oh, um, Them boys ain't winning a Super Bowl. Well, right. Soon. But I mean, I think you would take some, a lot of those guys over who's on the current list. I would uh, take some of them over Mac Jones, especially the bottom of this list. I would take them over. Right. So yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of question marks really the further you go down this list. So we're good on Mahomes and Jones. Uh, so third on the list for me is Russell Wilson. He did win uh, Super Bowl 48. He uh, did finish a fifth in quarterback rating in 2021. He does throw to two uh, pro uh, pro football focused top 15 wide receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But he plays in the league's toughest division in the NFC West. He hasn't been out of the divisional round since 2014. His running game was fourth in 2013. That's when they won the Super Bowl behind Marshawn Lynch. And they were 11th this past season. They do have Chris Carson, who's okay, but not beast mode level. And then their defense was obviously a legion of boom ranked first. And their defense was 28th this past Who season. The Colts so, just hired that defensive coordinator. We'll talk about that later in another week. Yeah, true. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a team that is a shell of what they were when they went to the Super Bowl, and so do I. You know that's why I was like, I don't know if putting Mac Jones above Russell Wilson is really controversial at all, but it definitely, I to me feels like, you know, Mac Jones with the Patriots is in a better position than Russell Wilson, although he's won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks currently. I mean, this one's tough just because the weapons that. Russell Wilson has around him, I feel like are a little bit better than what Mac Jones has, but the rest of the team is not nearly as good as what the Patriots have. So I would go Russell Wilson here because based off of the, the rest of the list, it makes sense to put him here because he's been there. He's got the experience. He knows how to lead it. I mean, look, he's been to the Super Bowl. Oh, just once. Yeah. Just no, twice. He's been to the Super Bowl twice yep. in back-to-back years. And so he knows how to get there. And it, you know, honestly, all you have to do with your division is survive it and get into the playoffs. 
that's really it. I mean, look, that's the way this, uh, I mean, the NFC basically is whoever could survive the NFC West was going to go to the Super Bowl for the NFC. And that's kind of what happened. Um, you just have to be one of the top three teams in that division and you're making the playoffs, but I don't know. I feel like if, I mean, this, this list could change completely if Russell Wilson ends up with a team like the New York giants or something. And then it's like, well, no buddy, sorry. You're going to the back of the list now. Um, <laughs> but um, or I've seen also the Washington commanders. I've seen kind of floated up there. And I'm like, I don't know that that's, that's, that's a worse situation. In my opinion, maybe the defense is a little bit better as far as what they could potentially be, but definitely not what they actually um, are currently. He's got a, a, some offensive weapons there. I think, you know, that would but be better, bad. but better than what he has in Seattle. As oh, far as no. receivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, because DK Metcalf. Right. <laughs> you don't I'm sorry Terry McLaurin you you're good but you're you're no DK Metcalf you're no you're no DK for sure <laughs> no uh, um, nobody is no DK Metcalf other yeah we that's that's for sure so yeah I, I like Russell Wilson there just because of the experience um do I have faith that the Seahawks can win a Super Bowl anytime soon no not really yeah the rest of this list are teams that either have never been to the or never uh never uh, won a Super Bowl or haven't been to the Super Bowl in a very Ever. long time. <laughs> well, like this next quarterback, Justin Herbert, I, I would put him higher because I think he, he, he has a very bright future. Unfortunately, he just plays for an organization that just can't seem to get out of its own way. Right. Most of the time. So if he was like, if, for, if, if he was with the Colts, I would put him higher on this list than Russell Wilson. I would maybe even put him second just because – I don't know. I feel like the Colts are a little bit closer to potentially winning a Super Bowl than the Chargers are. Justin Herbert, uh, this, Justin Herbert this past season, second in yards, uh, third in touchdowns, 11th in QBR. He, uh, he has solid talent around him in Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. But, you know, like you said, 22nd ranked defense. They play in the same division as Mahomes, and the Chargers have never won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, there's I, – I, I think – I have more confidence in the um, than the in the Chargers winning the Super Bowl now than that I really ever did with Rivers. I know Rivers had a lot of talent around him: Ladanian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson. Um, you know those guys. Those were some good teams. But I mean, they all seemed like the Chargers were always just kind of there. It never seemed yeah. like they were. You know, that's I mean, just the Chargers. That's they just made, who they are they made the AFC championship game that one year where they played the uh, Patriots and lost uh, the year. One, I think it was one of the years they beat the Colts in like the division round. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, and, and I mean, I guess there's really no evidence to point that it won't be more the same with Herbert. I just think Herbert's maybe a little better than rivers was um, as far as potential. But at the same time, I feel like that chargers team probably could have won a super bowl if it wasn't for having to go through Tom yeah. Brady and the new England Patriots. I mean, same thing, Peyton Manning would have won a, probably would have won a few more Super Bowls if it wasn't for Tom Brady and the Patriots. Like, same argument can be made. Reggie Miller would have won a championship in his career if it wasn't for Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Really? So, I mean, it's just that type of situation where, you know, a lot of really good teams are left on the outside of winning a championship because there is an all generational talent and century, like, really a century great team that they have to get through and nobody was really getting through them consistently or really ever. 
So list so far, Mahomes, Jones, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert. Uh, I actually had Kyler Murray ahead of uh, Kirk Cousins, and that's how the list is going to round out. I don't think that's too crazy of a take either. I mean, with Kyler, he hasn't he did improve uh, from last year to this year. He was 18th in Q, uh, QBR in 2020. He was eighth this past season. He took the Cardinals to their first playoff berth since 2015. He has DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Hey, I picked the Cardinals. Then I picked the Cardinals preseason to win it all. I think you did, yeah. yeah. You had them and the Titans in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's insane in and of itself if that would have come true. Uh, but the last two seasons, I mean, the Cardinals started 2026-3. They lost five of their last seven to finish at 8-8. Eight and eight. And in 2021, they started 7-0. and They were 10-2 and two on December 5th and then lost four of their last five. And I know injuries played a significant role in all of that, but at the same time, you know, it's, it, I think part of it also comes down to coaching and who your quarterback is. Oh, yeah. A lot of their offensive struggles can be definitely placed back on uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And that's what a lot of people say. Like, it's time for him to go because there's a lot of talent on this team. It's just he didn't know how to tap into that talent. Everybody thought when Cliff Kingsbury came to the NFL and then got Kyler Murray, it was like, oh, game, set, match. This Cardinals team is going to be for real and they always start off that way but unfortunately they don't know how to close the deal and then wrapping out uh wrapping up the list is uh Kirk Cousins uh I had him last because I mean you know he have even been in the Pro Bowl to be honest well I mean so he's fourth he was fourth in QBR this season which is crazy he's top uh he's been in the top 10 in QBR every season since coming to the Vikings he's had a top five wide receiver in uh Justin Jefferson he also has Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook around him as well so the core is actually really good but he's led his team to the playoffs just twice once in Washington and once uh, with the Vikings he ha- he's and he's playing with the 30th ranked defense which when they made the NFC championship game last they were the first ranked defense and so kind of the funny thing is is that Kirk Cousins has really had the team that he's going to be going into next season with and hasn't done anything with that so there's nothing to really show you I mean they won the playoff game you know a couple of years ago against the Saints and that's really it as far as what Kirk Cousins has done, uh, you know, with the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, the only reason why I would have put him above Kyler Murray potentially is because Kyler, the divisions that they play in Kyler Murray is in the NFC West. Uh, Kirk Cousins is in the NFC North and the NFC North looks like it's going to kind of be a train wreck potentially next year. You know, the bears and the lions are the bears and the lions. Um, Green Bay, who knows what that team's going to look like. You have Aaron Rodgers potentially being traded, but not being traded. You never know. It always changes each, each day. And Devontae Adams is a free agent. So if, you know, Green Bay moves towards the future, that division's wide open, and it's a perfect opportunity for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to really take a, a step forward. So I think – Honestly, the one change I'd make to this list is Kirk Cousins above Kyler Murray just because of the outlook of the divisions they both play in. That's true, but also on that on that note, you're talking also about a Minnesota Vikings team that could potentially win the NFC North by default because there's no better team. It's going to be like the NFC East a couple of years ago where you could maybe go, you know, nine and eight. Uh, you know, eight, nine even, and potentially win that division if there's no Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay versus the Kyler Murray team that you think 
you know, honestly, if they stay healthy next season, could potentially win the NFC West, even with as tough as that division is. So I'd have more faith in the Cardinals going through the NFC than I would the Vikings going through the NFC and potentially making the Super Bowl, given yeah. the fact that you have a, you know, quarterback winning a division because you, they're, you're going up against Jared Goff and the Lions, Justin Fields and the Bears, and Jordan Love and the Packers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, I think those last two are, are toss-ups, but if you look at it at, from that point of view, it makes total sense of putting Kyler Murray ahead. Um, but if your division's bad enough, you can rack up some decent wins. I don't know. They, if they can fix that defense, they're, they're, they're a, they're a, they'll be a tough team. This is why I'm still having a tough time reconciling the fact that I really wanted the Vikings to get Brian Flores. That was my big prediction. Um, and, of course, we know how that's all played out since then. So um, we'll see. I don't even know. Did the Vikings, have they hired somebody yet? I believe so. Some they, they hired unknown. like a – they hired like one of Kirk Cousins, like former coaches in Washington, I think. So who knows? We'll see what they're able to do. But yeah, that's our list. We, uh, we, you know, as far as which pro or the Pro Bowl quarterbacks most likely to win uh, a Super Bowl the soonest, Patrick Mahomes first, Mac Jones second, Russell Wilson third, Justin Herbert fourth, Kyler Murray fifth, and Kirk Cousins is sixth. So now uh, it is time to finally get into Super Bowl conversation. But before we do that, let's talk about our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. Let's go ahead and get into Super Bowl 56. It is finally time uh, to dive into the Rams and the Bengals. It's the first time since the merger that neither of the conference's top three seeds made the Super Bowl. The Rams come in 12 and 5. They are the NFC West champs. They started 3 and 0, won seven of their first eight games. However, they had a horrendous stretch in November. They lost the Titans, 49ers, and Packers. They did rebound with a five-game winning streak uh, before losing to the 49ers in Week 18. Going through their playoff run, they um, defeated the Cardinals 34-11 to in the wildcard round, beat the Buccaneers 30-27 to in a game they tried ever so hard to lose uh, in the divisional round. And then in the championship game, they came back and beat the 49ers 20-17. They will be the visiting team in the Super Bowl, but are playing the big game on their home turf. Then you have the Bengals, who are the AFC representatives. They were 10-7 and seven this past season. They are the AFC North champs. They were four, and they were – this season was kind of just weird. Uh, I mean, any season where you have the Bengals and the, and the Super Bowl is kind of weird, but it was just the Bengals, you know, trip to the Super Bowl was odd as well. They were four and two against playoff teams during the regular season. They swept the Steelers, beat the Raiders and Chiefs. They lost to the Packers and 49ers, but they were six and five against the rest of the league, including weird losses uh, to the Bears, Jets. They got swept by the Browns. Um, so just kind of a weird year for the Bengals, but – Got them to 10 and 7, got them to the playoffs where they beat the Raiders 26 to 19 in the wild card round. Um, they beat the Titans uh, 19 to 16 in the divisional round. And in the championship game, they came back from a 21 to 3 deficit against the Chiefs to win 27 to 24. So 
Uh, we're going to play a game here. It's what you normally know as hot or cold. Um, but instead, it's going to be Rams or Bengals. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the different units, say whether or not we favor the Rams or the Bengals. So we're going to go through special teams, defense, O-line, tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, and head coach, um, and give what we think about each one of those units and say whether or not we favor the Rams or the Bengals. So let's go ahead and get it kicked off here with the special teams unit. Uh, and honestly, for me, um, special teams, I'm leaning Bengals here. You know, I mean, sure, we could sit here and get into numbers like, oh, well, you know, the Rams have this many touchbacks this season and the Bengals on punt returns, they're averaging this many yards per return. So that's why all, they we, all we care about is how many field goals did they miss? Exactly. So I've got two <laughs> words for you. Evan McPherson. He's 12 for 12 this postseason. He's connected on all of his extra points. And then he's called a, his own shot multiple times. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I got like chills when he was running out in the in overtime because I was like, I bet he just was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> he probably told somebody on the sideline, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl, guys. I got this. Oh, I'm um, sure he did. I'm, I think I actually heard that he did that. I know, I like, in, I, the, uh, di- I know in the divisional Titans, round yeah. he did too. Also, uh, Kevin Huber, uh, the punter for the Bengals, was born, uh, was born, went to college, and plays professional football on Cincinnati. So he has been a, a, Cincinnati, a Cincinnati kid through and through. So he, you know, that's another reason to root for the Bengals special team. That's another kind of look, sometimes it's a big game, you know, the big, uh, you know, some big stories tend to prevail to just make that, you know, Hollywood, you know, type of uh, situation. And that's definitely one that plays in the Bengals favor. Um, but then also, I mean, there is some, there is some, you know, legitimacy to the Bengals pick because Matt Gay, the kicker for the Rams, has missed two field goals this postseason. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it from that standpoint, I feel, you know, game on the line, I feel a lot more confident with, you know, Evan McPherson making a game-winning field goal than I Ice do. Uh, water Matt in his veins. Yeah, I agree. It's it, I'm going with the Bengals as well, just because you love the story of Evan McPherson too. I mean – I don't know. It's just, you love to see the young guy out there doing his thing and, you know, the kicker making headlines um, in a good way, in a fun way. So I'm going with, I'm going with the Bengals because of Evan McPherson and, you know, he's, the dude's got ice water in his veins. Seriously. He hasn't, he hasn't backed down from a a big kick and a big moment his entire career. So let's keep it going. And yeah, I got, I got the Bengals with the special teams. I mean, obviously, if you look at all the other metrics and how many, how do they do on punt returns and kick returns? It's like honestly, they're they're pretty even. So that's kind of too. So I mean, it's not like tiebreaker is Evan McPherson. True. Um, Well, also, I mean, the Bengals are a true testament to just sticking with your plan and just doing what you feel like doing. I mean, everyone tells you. You need to take an offensive lineman. Joe Burrow is getting annihilated. They take Jamar Chase. They're in the Super Bowl. Everyone says, you took a kicker in what round? And he kicks them to the Super Bowl. I mean, you you got a plan. And you know what? It all comes Gold's together. GM Chris Ballard is probably sitting back going. <laughs> He's punching the air. He's like, really? Really? Are I you kidding? Cold? 
I worked. I, it, I thought it was all about the trenches. I thought it was all about building, you know, a good offensive line, a good defensive line, and just letting everything else fall into place. Nope. It is about just saying, you know what, kicker, fine. Kicker, let's take one. <laughs> it's all about putting points on the board. Yes. Imagine that. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of units that will try to prevent points from going on the board, uh, looking at the defense uh, next, this is an argument that I'm actually surprised that I ended up on this side of things. Uh, you look yeah, at the defenses. You look at defenses through the regular season. Uh, they were pretty even. Uh, the Rams were 15th, the Bengals 17th in points allowed per game. The Rams were 17th, Bengals were 16th in terms of yards per game. Uh, both are outside the top 20 in pass defense. The Bengals were fifth against the run. The Rams were sixth. Um, but you know the Rams. The Rams have really improved over the course of the postseason as well. They've gone from allowing 345 total yards per game to 275. They're the best defense among teams that have played multiple games this postseason. When you look every, at everything, you know this postseason. Um, and the bank, the, but you know, on the other side of things, though, the Bengals. It's one of those things where like a lot of talk has been about the Rams defense, but it's not as if the Bengals defense is one to sleep on either. Like the Bengals defense has been solid, especially in this postseason run. They've recorded eight sacks. They're second to the 49ers in that category um, as far as teams that have played multiple pl uh, playoff games. And they have six interceptions this postseason, which has obviously played big into why they've been able to pull these upsets over the Titans and especially over the Chiefs. So, I mean, that's, you know, and the turnovers are a big check mark in the sense that you're playing a quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who, if you can force some mistakes, you can definitely, you know, get into some, you know, good momentum. Um, and so for me, that's what kind of pushed the needle over to picking the Bengals defensive unit because they have thrived off creating turnovers, off creating problems for Matthew Stafford. And so in that regard, I think that's going to be a bigger key than anything else. I think the Bengals can figure out a way to, you know, control the pass rush, figure out a way to stop, you know, Aaron Donald and all those guys. But, you know, the Bengals defense, I think, can potentially get into the head of Matthew Stafford. So I'm actually going with the Bengals defense here. You know, I'm going with the Rams, but an interesting fact about the Bengals defense, there's only one player on that Bengals roster that has experience in the Super Bowl. It's one of their defensive players. Um, about <laughs> yeah, Ricardo Allen, he played for the Atlanta Falcons when, you know, they he had, he had the pick six, didn't he? Uh, get to put him up, I think, like 21 to three. I thought he did. It may have been him. I don't, I, I honestly, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, he's the only player that has uh Super Bowl experience and it's on their defense. So that's cool. Um, not the experience you kind of want, though, being on the wrong <laughs> yeah, end of yeah. that. Uh, probably that most. He don't how to lose the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> no. And fun fact: uh, Ricardo Allen comes from a little team up in Northern Indiana. Um, there's actually three guys, three guys from that those that team up in Northern Indiana on, in the Super Bowl, and two of them are on the defense of the Bengals: Ricardo Allen and um, Marcus Bailey, and then over on the Rams, tight end um, Bryson Hopkins. Okay, so I'm going with the Rams defense, though. Um, yeah, I'm going to put all metrics aside. 
look, one of the biggest weaknesses, which we're going to talk here next, is, for the Bengals is their O-line. And just so happening to line up across from that pretty bad O-line is probably arguably one of the best defensive linemen in all of the NFL and Aaron Donald, he is going to wreak havoc. And I think on in that big of a moment, yeah, Joe Burrows played on a big stage before we, you know, it, with the national championship and everything, he's not going to get rattled too easily, but it's going to allow it, his wide receivers are going to have to get open quickly. And when you look at it, Jamar chase is going to be shadowed by uh, Jalen Ramsey. Let's just be honest. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, this Rams defense, like you said, has gotten better throughout the postseason. And I honestly think that's what's go that's going to be a big deciding factor in this game is that Rams defense. They're going to be able to get that pressure on Joe Burrow and really kind of potentially try to rattle him. You talked about rattling Matthew Stafford. I think it's going to end up it's going to end up potentially being Joe Burrow that's going to get rattled just because the pressure is just going to be consistent. I mean, if you had, even if you had like a, a really good offensive line, it's tough to stop Aaron Donald. He, he, you know, he's a really, really good football player. And I think, I mean, I think he lined up against uh, Quentin Nelson earlier this year and he, he got pressure on Carson Wentz consistently. And that's not an easy thing to do against Quentin Nelson. So if Quentin Nelson was, you know, he didn't struggle, I wouldn't say, but you know, if he, he, if Quentin Nelson was made to look pedestrian against Aaron Donald, what is a not so good offensive line going to look like against him? So yep. I'm going with the Rams because of that defensive line against that Bengals O-line. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a fair point. It's, it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, that the, Bengals having a worse day on the offensive line than they did against the Titans when they allowed nine sacks. But at the same time, I mean, if this there's another a, team that can, right, if there's a team that could replicate that or get close to that, I'm not saying they will, but if there's a team that could, you know, put the same type of pressure on him, it is the Rams. Uh, and you know, that Rams defense does have Super Bowl experience. Not all of them, but some of them do. Well, yeah, that I mean, long ago they were well, playing. You've got a Super Bowl Super Bowl MVP on that Rams defense and Von Miller. Yeah, that's true. So, so, so I mean, lots of experience there. True, true. So talking about the offensive line now, um, yeah, I mean, when looking at the offensive line, uh, this was an easy Rams pick for me. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, the Rams O line is ranked seventh. Uh, to Cincinnati's 20th um, at the end of the season. Hard to argue for an O-line that gave up nine sacks in the divisional round against Tennessee. Uh, the Rams did allow two sacks to the 49ers, which were the team uh, that came were, that led the uh, postseason in sacks with 10 going yeah, the in. The 49ers defensive line is just as good as the Rams defensive right. line, if not better. So Right. So, I mean, the, uh, the Rams offensive line could get it done. So, easy Rams pick there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to – you already know. I already talked about it. I'm not – I don't want to <laughs> rehash what I just said. But, yeah, Rams O-line, obviously. Looking at the tight ends, um, this was tough because neither team really uses their tight end a whole lot. Um, I mean, look, 
I'll come out right out and say it. I don't really know how to evaluate these guys as far as blocking. I'm sure oh, they no. they they provide. I'm sure they both provide value. I don't really want to get into the weeds as far as oh well, you know, uh, Tyler Higby uh, on third downs can like no. I'm I'm good. He's a pancake artist. Huge day for him. Yeah, I, I just want to get into um, you know who can provide a threat offensively. That's what I want to know. And honestly, I'm leaning Bengals here. Uh, neither, like I said, neither team uses their tight end a whole lot. Uh, but the Bengals, CJ Uzamoa, uh, has has been used more than the Rams, uh, than Rams tight end Tyler Higby this postseason. Both are questionable, uh, but Uzamoa is in line to play. He's got 13 catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown in the postseason. Tyler Higby, nine catches, 115 yards. So, like I said, neither of them are really big parts of the game plan, but I'm leaning Bengals here. Yeah, I'll lean with the Bengals too, just because Uzamoa has uh, a touchdown to his name this postseason. Exactly. I mean, and 20 more yards. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of hoping – I'll be honest, as a, as a fan, I would love to see Tyler Higby not play, and I would love to see Bryson Hopkins get that playing time. Just because I think he's a, I think he's a future really good uh, tight end. Um, but, and Higby, I mean, his injury, I think he, it's a leg injury. So he's, so, he's I potentially, I'm pretty sure he injured, like, I can't remember what he exactly injured, but he is, uh, I, his injury is like, he's still wasn't practicing as of Friday. So whereas okay. Uzumoa is projected to play. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'll go with the Bengals just based on that. Like I, if you don't use your tight ends very much and you're using them more in blocking schemes, I'm not the guy to be talking about that. You, what you need is a, <laughs> I mean, back in the day, there used to be some really good blocking tight ends. that could also really catch the ball. Well, I mean, we're talking like a Ken Dilger or a Marcus Pollard type, but it, it feels like you're either nowadays, you're either a receiving tight end or you're a blocking tight end. You're not both. So if you're not used, I don't know. And a lot of these offenses love to spread the ball out and just air it out and tight ends aren't utilized. Well, that it's Gronk way. or Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Yeah, but those guys are just breaks. I mean, yeah, beyond that, <laughs> there's not much right. else at tight end. So, but Bryson Hopkins can be that. Trust me, folks. Trust me. Me on future future Super Bowl MVP Bryce. Oh no, I'm not calling that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm saying he he has the potential. He could be in that talk of like a Pro Bowl type category for tight end. Uh, you know, speaking of varying it out, wide receiver category here. Both wide receiver rooms are absolutely filthy. I mean, for the Rams, yeah. you've got Cooper Cup, you've got OBJ. For the Bengals, you've got Jamar Chase, you've got T Higgins. Uh, this postseason, though, uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins have combined for 34 catches on 50 targets, 488 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Cooper See, that Cup, surprises me. That stat right there, the one touchdown. Yeah. That surprises me. And that was Jamar Chase in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. So that's not um, that's not even <laughs> any of the first two games. Um, now, just by himself, Cooper Cup has caught 25 catches on 32 targets, 
with 386 yards and four touchdowns. So I know that, I mean, obviously you could talk about usage and maybe Burrow and, and the Bengals spread the ball out a little bit more, but Cooper Cup has just had an undeniably great season. It, it's it's got to be something with that red field that he played on in college at Eastern <laughs> Washington. I mean, come on. That red field must give you like some kind of like superhuman power or something some because Cooper moves. Cup is just out of this world. I mean, to I think it was tonight ESPN put out um, an article about guys that aren't finalists for the MVP, like non-quarterbacks, who would you rate as the most likely to win an MVP? Cooper Cup was number one on that list. I mean, everybody's like, well, what about Jonathan Taylor? Well, he was, he's a finalist, so he, he's not eligible for that list because he's considered a finalist. But non-finalists, non-QBs, Cooper Cup, like, far and away i mean the dude's having an outstanding season i mean and then also the story behind cooper cup is just awesome in itself well it's rivaling it's rivaling was that the right word rivaling rivaling it's it's going up against <laughs> it's going up against calvin johnson's season that he had in detroit when he broke the all-time receiving record and that's what's wild to me because you talk about two very different wide receivers i'm not Mm -hmm. diminishing what calvin johnson did at all but all he has to do is just you know just jump up and catch the ball because fun fact fun fact i'm sure you've seen this but rams head coach sean mcveigh actually beat (laughs) out calvin johnson for the georgia high school football player of the year when they were both seniors the biggest injustice of all time like what what i want to see i want to see that stat sheet i want to read i want yeah i do too i want to see that stat sheet i was like hmm because like it's kind of like when um the notre dame linebacker commit beat out george karloftis and david bell for indiana mr football jack kaiser it's like huh Right. What? This wasn't political by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Oh my gosh. I, I can't believe it. Well, Cause like, I mean, you think about like Calvin Johnson just go like, cause you, you got to think that he's was maybe not as big as he was in the NFL, but at least uh, from a height standpoint, like he was probably oh. just beating the pants off people. And I mean, Calvin the only person sh- we've, we've seen, we can even compare Calvin Johnson to physique wise is DK Metcalf, to be yeah. honest. That, that's it. I mean, there's not, I mean, height wise, maybe Randy Moss, but right. I mean, it's uh, yeah. So for Cooper cup to be playing the way he is, it's just, it's, it's such a cool story and it's unbelievable, but yeah. And think- especially when you look at like that wide receiver room and it's like, Oh man, OBJ, he's gotta be leading that room. And it's like, Nope, it's Cooper cup. Cooper like, cup. Well, huh? and, and Cooper, so Cooper Cup by himself has been, you know, as if, if not in some instances, more productive than Chase and Higgins combined. And then, yeah, you add OBJ, who's got nine catches, 236 yards and a touchdown of his own. I mean, heck, that's, you know, five, 600 yards uh, and a touchdown to beat the 400 yards and one touchdown from Tegan, T. Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase. So, yeah, I'm leading, I'm going with the Rams here as far as the wide receiver room. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the Rams. It's, I mean, this is probably the most intriguing of all the, when you match up the different positions, this one's probably the one that's the probably the closest in my opinion, because I don't know, you got experience versus youth, but you know, the experience is still pretty young in itself. So, but you got to go with the Rams just because of Cooper cup. 
to be honest. Looking now uh, at the running backs, um, this is this one was a little bit easier for me as well. Bengals, um, you've got Joe Mixon who leads uh, in rushing yards this postseason with 191 and, and is averaging 3.7 yards per carry in the regular season. He rushed for 1,200 yards, third in the league, averaging four yards per carry and 13 touchdowns, and he's also a threat out of the backfield. So I think, I mean, Cam Akers has had some moments. Uh, Sony Michelle, we've seen what he can do. Um, but as far as actually being big production wise for their team, it's Joe Mixon, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's surprising that he's been as successful as he has behind that O line. Um, maybe they're just a better run blocking unit than they are pass protection, which happens. Um, yeah, I'm going with the Bengals on this one too. Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon could honestly be a difference maker in this game. It could be one of the bigger players to keep an eye on on whether or not the Bengals ultimately win this thing or not. Because well, I- with Joe Mixon, it helps keep that L.A. Rams offense off the field. Well, not only that, I mean, you also have the sense that, you know, we talk, we, you know, we, we, we kind of go into this game with this preconceived notion. And I think it's very accurate that the defensive line of the Rams are going to get to, you know, get past this offensive line. If you want to curtail that a little bit, you're dumping passes off to Joe Mixon, Mm -hmm. you know, you're getting the ball out quickly. And that includes dumping it down to Mixon who can be that threat. And I think that's what makes him all that more, important in this game so i mean you want to slow down that offensive line and you can't or that defensive line you can't really necessarily do that by blocking you do that by getting a threat out of the backfield which you have with joe Mixon. well and then at the same time the defense is going to have to account for that so that means you can't double a jamar chase or a t higgins somebody's gotta play on joe Mixon. you can't just keep a linebacker on him because he is fast he is athletic i mean it's it's definitely a a great weapon for the Bengals that helps that gives them a good punch because it's going then to open things up for them in the receiving game as well because the the Rams defense is going to have to respect that uh, playmaking ability out of the backfield of Joe Mixon. Now, finally, we get to the quarterbacks, and this is another. This is another. This is a toss up. Yeah, this is another instance where I thought going into it. I was going to lean one way and then I ended up leaning in a completely different direction. So I was very surprised, you know, going through on this one, um, you know, Matt Stafford uh, is the third rated QB this postseason. Burrow is fourth. Um, you know, I really, I really thought I was going to go Burrow here. I really thought I was going to go with the Bengals, but looking into the numbers and I know we can sometimes get a little bit, you know, lost. You go, in the you go numbers, there. you go yeah. numbers a lot. I go, I test. Yeah. Uh, Stafford was fourth in QBR this season. Joe Burrow was 12th between the two QBs this postseason. Stafford is the only one above 70% completion and is averaging 300 yards per game. Also this postseason, Stafford has thrown more touchdowns uh, and uh, he's thrown six touchdowns to Burrow's four and he's only thrown one interception to Burrow's two. So not that, I mean, those aren't crazy numbers. It's not like, you know, Burrow has thrown here. Right. But at the same time, I mean, one of the big kind of, you know, cons or red flags about Stafford is his mistake proneness, you know, through November, a lot of, you know, that bad stretch for the Rams, it was silly picks. You know, we, you know, that's the whole reason why they're the four seed is he threw a pick in overtime against the 49ers, you know, and heck, 
if the 49ers have a pick on uh, on Tart, you know, in, we're not you know, talking about the Rams. Right we're not now. talking we're, about the Rams. This so, is an easy one. We're going Joe Cool with over Jimmy G. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, even though Stafford is more mistake prone, he's been sharp all postseason. And that's really, I think, you know, diving into it. That's what you have to go on. And as much as much as I wanted to go Joe Burrow here, I mean, th- the numbers don't lie. I mean, sometimes they do, but in this instance, I'm just like, you know, it's just tough for me to not to look at all this information and not go Stafford. You know, for me, it is such a toss up, but I have to go with the hot hand, I guess. I mean, yeah, Matthew Stafford is playing hot, right? Hot football right now, but I don't know. Joe Burrow's just playing differently. There's just something different about his play right now that. I'm going to give him the advantage just because he's in a groove right now. And that's a scary thing. Like, like you said, if it wasn't for a dropped interception in the NFC championship game, we wouldn't be talking about the Rams now. Yeah. It was a a field goal in overtime that won it for the Bengals, but that was against arguably the best team over the past several seasons of the AFC and the Kansas city chiefs in their fourth in straight, Kansas, their like what fourth straight AFC championship game. Yeah. Something, yeah. Something like that. It's so it's, it's a different type of situation there. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Joe cool. If he shows up rocking the black turtleneck gold chain and the Cartier sunglasses, you know, it's game over. <laughs> Rams might as well not even suit up. Not, even, not even show up. Like, Oh, <laughs> Man, he, he's gone gonna, done it. He's gone gonna, done it. He he's called his shot. It, it game over already. We're staying home. We you know the, the thank goodness is our own town. We don't have to like worry about you know you know flying back. Question is who gets the home locker room? I see. I think nerd. I would imagine. I I don't see why you wouldn't just go. Hey, work smarter, not harder. Rams get your own locker room. Because I, mean, I don't think I don't think Tampa Bay got their own locker room. Really. Well, because it's, whoever is the, considered the home team gets the right, home which is the room. Bengals. But like, it's it's it, I don't so know the because get that locker but room. it's not like we're dealing with like the locker rooms at Kinnick Stadium where the visiting lockers are pink. pink. Yeah, you know yeah, they're it's still not very like, nice. They're so yeah, they're, yeah, they're so not, nice. They're not putting you in like okay, well you're in this like you know heck even at Ball State I'm pretty sure uh, the locker room for the visiting Ooh. team is still under the stands as opposed to. Um, where you know the nice locker room for uh, for the ball state. So I mean, it's, oh no, the, it's a it's a. I think it's the outhouse back there behind the stands. Maybe I'm pretty sure. Oh no, no, it's on the other end. Yeah, it's under. It's, yeah, it's under it's, the stands. Yeah, if it's anything like the the practice locker room underneath Schumann Stadium, oh boy, what a dump! Right, exactly. So that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's not like there, it's not like you're putting these guys in these tough conditions they're right. still so i i don't know why you wouldn't just they actually say, have x-ray machines unlike purdue and what jim harbaugh was complaining about right so like i don't i don't see why they wouldn't just be like you know what it's a lot easier on us if you guys just we'll no. still put you i mean in I, th- I think it i think they stick with what tradition mm-hmm. is i mean you, you did see the the memo wink wink that came out from roger Gerdell this week stating you know two years that we never thought we'd have it of the of one of the participating teams playing in their home stadium and it's happened two years in a row now. So to make sure this never happens again, we're going to have every Super Bowl here on out in AT&T stadium in Dallas. 
Yes. <laughs> Just alternate every other year. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe bet. Maybe throw in, you know, Indianapolis. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw in Indianapolis for sure. Throw in Minnesota. I mean, Detroit. It, I mean, can't go wrong with Detroit. <laughs> we're going to have the game at Ford Field every season and we're golden. Um, so uh, one last uh, one last category to go through here. Head coach. This is easy for me. Rams. Sean McVay has a 68 percent win percentage, including the playoffs. Uh, and he's coached in the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor. I mean, a fantastic season this season. But other than that, his coaching record isn't great. We've got this three this three games to go off of, uh, you know, in the playoffs, whereas McVay is a little bit more experienced. So I, I'm going with McVay as far as who's got the coaching advantage. Yeah, I'm going with McVay to the uh, Georgia High School Football Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, what's funny is that these two, these are super, both of them are super young coaches. I think it's the youngest coaching matchup in Super Bowl history. Um, and it's funny because if you look at this coaching carousel or hiring round that's happened, everybody's trying to go younger with like these obscure names that nobody's ever really ever heard of, except unless you're the Houston Texans, you go hire Lovey Smith. Um, I like that hire though. <laughs> I, I did really <laughs> yeah, failed at Illinois. Well, of course, that's not hard to do, but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. It always, it's funny to see how those types of things dict like, this matchup is dictating how other teams are now hiring their head coaches. Hmm. Young head coaches. Let's, let's, let's give that a whirl instead of the same old, same old retreads. Um, but yeah, head coaching, it's got to go to McVay. I mean, he's coached in the Super Bowl before. That, that's got to say something. He knows how to get his players' nerves under control, whereas Zach Taylor, he's going to have his own nerves to deal with as well. So, I mean, Sean McVay, all he's got to worry about is performing better than they did last time. All we got to do, I mean, do is score All you got to do is score a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> all you got to do is score a touchdown, and that's already better. So Even two field goals are better. I mean, we don't want to see another, re, you know, oh gosh, a, another 13-3. to three. Look, look. I'm just saying I have a Super Bowl party every year. And like I, and of course it was the worst part was it was against the Patriots. So not only was it a boring Super Bowl, it also involved the Patriots winning. So it was just, a, it was one of those times where like, you could be like, okay, well, yeah, the Patriots won, but at least it was a fun party. Like, no, the game stunk and it's the, Patriots the Patriots won. won. But that's why this Super Bowl is so great because honestly, for me as a football fan, I really don't care who wins this one because I don't, one is I'm not out there rooting against somebody like I have been with Tom Brady or the Patriots. Like I don't want to see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl this year. I'm like, I don't care who wins. I just want an exciting too. game because this is going to be a fun matchup. I mean, it, it's the, I love the storylines behind both teams. I, you know, it's just, it's, it's fun. And that's what the Super Bowl has been missing in a lot of years. So I don't really care who wins because I'm not rooting against anybody i'm not rooting for anybody in particular i'm excited to see it i'm excited finally to be able to tune in and watch the commercials and all the new movie trailers that are coming out um so yeah it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun one yeah i'm so thinking i may have to order a party pack from b-dubs i don't know i think you should i think you should because that was i did that for a ufc fight and that was such a great idea <laughs> um so let's go ahead and do our keys to the game and predictions so uh, for me, key to the game here is Cincinnati has gotten here by finding ways to win and overcoming obstacles. So, you know, whether it be, you know, I mean, against the Raiders, there were what it wasn't super tough in that regard. I mean, they, they pretty much from the get go looked like the better team, but against 
the Titans, you had to overcome nine sacks. You had to overcome King Henry coming back for his first game, um, you know, in however many weeks, which, you know, even though he was coming off injury, you know, he got 68 yards. I mean, that's still still a, a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then against the Chiefs, you had the biggest mountain to climb and being down 21 to three, you come back and win that game. If they can force Matthew Stafford and the Rams into mistakes, I think they can win. If they can force interceptions, it reminds me a lot of, the conversation we had when we were previewing the uh, NCAA championship where, you know, going into it, I was like, Hey, look, Georgia got picked apart by Alabama, but if they can force Bryce young to make mistakes and force interceptions and all that kind of thing, then I think they got a shot. If Cincinnati can force Matthew Stafford into interceptions, if, you know, if Stafford throws just, you know, a, a duck in the middle of the field and, and, you know, they actually have some hands on Cincinnati and make the catch, then I think we're looking at a Bengals win. Uh, but if not, I think uh, L.A. will be the second team to win a title in their own stadium. And and so when I'm looking at the prediction I'm going to make, I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing I've, I've done several years in a row where, you know what, I think I want the I want to see the Bengals win more than I do the Rams, but the team that I'm picking is going to be the Rams. I've got the Rams winning this game. 31 to 28 over the Bengals. I, I, I mean, we can't have it not be a game won by three points because that seems to be that seems to be the trend. Um, but it's playoffs, it's going to be a last second field goal. Exactly. If that's the case. I got to go with the Bengals. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I'm going with the Rams here to win the Super Bowl, 31 to 28. Yeah, I think the biggest key is for um, really it's Joe Burrow to not get rattled. Um, because that pass rush is coming, whether or not you're ready for it, it's coming. And I, I, I have trust that Zach Taylor is going to be able to scheme around that. Like you said earlier, getting short passes out to Joe Mixon and letting him create, um, which will eventually then in turn open things up around the field as well. Um, I think, the Cincinnati, I just if you're Cincinnati, just keep doing what you've been doing. Don't try to get fancy. For LA, play smart. Um, you know, don't let the moment get to you. I, I have a feeling that could potentially be something that happens to Matthew Stafford. I mean, you know, getting through the playoffs and getting that first win off his off his back. That's you know. It's in the past. He's he was able to do that and get that, but now this is a different. This is a different beast. This is the Super Bowl. Like all eyes are on you. I mean, not everybody tunes in to the NFC Championship, but everybody tunes into the Super Bowl. Even if you're not a football fan, you tune into the Super Bowl. That's just what what it is. It's the, that type of event. So just don't let the moment get to you. If you're the, the Rams, especially Matthew Stafford, same thing goes for Joe Burrow, though, too. This is keys for just both teams. Like, do what you've been doing this these, these playoffs. Don't try to get too cute with it. Play solid. Forget about the moment. Um, but I am picking the Rams to win. Same situation as you. You know, I, like I said, I don't really care who wins. I would like to see the Bengals win more just because the story behind the Bengals is even just that much better. Um, but I am going with the Rams because if you are looking at not getting rattled in the big situation, being able to be in your home stadium, sleep in your own bed. I don't know if they're staying at a hotel or whatnot, but my guess would be 
they're probably staying in their own beds for the lead up. And then they're staying in a hotel the couple of days prior, but it just says something about being able to have that familiarity around you. You know, when you're pulling into like the, I mean, I'm sure they're taking a team bus and everything from a hotel. I, I guarantee they are oh, at some they're, point. They're driving up in a pickup truck. <laughs> they're oh, like, you never know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's how the players sure. get to the stadiums otherwise. Sure. Um, but being able to, you know, you're going into the, you're pulling into the stadium the same way you've done several times throughout this year. You're walking the same hallways. Yeah, it's going to look different with the Super Bowl signage and everything, but it, it's still the same hallways. It's still the same field, even though it's painted differently. You know how that stadium can be when it's super loud. You, you understand the dynamics around your environment. So that says something. And I think that's the ultimate advantage the Rams have here in the fact in giving them the victory. I think it's going to be a close one. I hope it's a close one because I want an entertaining game. But I am going with the Rams because of the familiarity in their environment. Now, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, all Rams fans in the stands, because if you looked at the, the ticket prices, nobody could afford those um, no. unless you are uh, Elon Musk, including parking. Apparently parking around the stadium that's typically free normally is like two thousand dollars a day. Mm. I mean, that's nuts. Like, you know, it's getting out of hand when former NFL superstars are like, how do you expect uh, a team team's fans to support them and they're on the biggest stage? when the average person cannot even like the non-average people cannot afford a single ticket to this game i mean upper top row nosebleed is going for like five grand per ticket no way so especially because that's, a, that's like... a different that's a different story for a different day but that is i mean that's that's la for you yeah. um and it being a home essentially a home game for the rams i don't think it's going to be an all rams fan you know, it's the Super Bowl. Most people that are at the Super Bowl don't have a horse in the race. They just can afford going to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah, because it's not like many people have like 5,000 in their savings waiting for uh, the, their team to go to the Super Bowl so they can hey, blow it have off. you seen this man cave? <laughs> I mean, true. That is true. I mean, maybe B. Scott does. I just uh, can't afford the flight to L.A. I can't afford the time off this time of year to go out to L.A. <laughs> for, for a football game. Right. I mean, same. Totally. I mean, I was on the office. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 it makes sense. I mean, yeah. So, um, so we're both going with the Rams here. Uh, so, uh, which means we'll the see. Bengals are going to win. Exactly. So go ahead. If you're, if you're someone who bets bet, uh, for the, uh, for the Bengals. Fun fact, uh, one of, uh, you know, one of the bigger streamers uh, on YouTube uh, is known for, um, you know, his, basically his own kiss of death. Um, and he picked the Rams as well. So uh, go, yeah, especially go put all your money uh, on the, the odds for the Bengals to win just straight money line are pretty good odds. Pretty good. Like yeah. You, you would, you would win a, a good chunk of change. Just leave him with a, a small, a small bet. So. Right. Definitely worth it if you just got 20 bucks and you want to throw 20 bucks down on the Bengals. Doesn't hurt. Exactly. So um, real quick before we get out of here, we do want to talk, <clears throat> excuse me, some NBA trade trade deadline. More specifically with the Indiana Pacers, as the last few days have been pretty wild as the uh, sticks of dynamite have been taken to the team and it is being blown to smithereens. Uh, first, you had Karis Levert get traded on Sunday. He's traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Pacers sent Levert and a 2022 uh, second round pick to Cleveland where they receive uh, where the Pacers. Yeah, I thought, received. I didn't think they sent a, a pick. 
well, the article I read said they did. Okay, because I thought because the I, what the terms that I saw through like Bleacher Report and everything, the Pacers received Ricky Rubio, a lottery protected first rounder. Yeah. Uh, I do see the two second rounders there, but I don't think we sent a second round pick because yeah, I don't think we. I don't know. Don't quote me. And, well, and I'm I mean, an idiot. Also, so. I mean, because the trade uh, was was. Uh, reported on sunday so there's a chance that the article that i read w- it like didn't have the official like yeah it, it had maybe the main part which was the rubio and the lottery protected first but maybe like there we, was originally... i know we did get two seconds <laughs> i believe one of those seconds was shipped out today right so um but yeah part of you know they get ricky rubio uh, which that's just to take on the expiring contracts um, he's out and, for the season anyways right he's not um, even in the country <clears throat> And then uh, they also receive a lottery protected first rounder and two second round picks. Um, but then the uh, big blockbuster today. As, the one that didn't even make the lineup uh, and because it was too late. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis traded to the Sacramento Kings um, in return for uh, uh, Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton was uh, the what 12th round was the 12th selection in the 2020 NBA draft. Um, so uh, that sent Kings uh, Nation into a frenzy. So um, that trade was even is even bigger because a lot of people want to say like the Pacers fans are like, oh, we lost this trade. Like, no, we didn't. No, no, the Pacers did not lose this trade. You know, they sent like half their roster to the Sacramento Kings: Demontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday, along with a 2027 second round pick. In return, they got Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson, um, who we alluded to. Oh, did I allude? Oh, I alluded to him off air. Yeah, I was going to say off air you did. Off air. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't on air. That could have been bad. Um, but yeah, this, they're, you give your thoughts first. I want to see what you got. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, happy with what with like i said earlier uh in the podcast i this is the first time i've really felt in a while the pay that the pacers have a direction they have what they're doing and even though you know we talked about a couple of weeks ago how like man they were supposed to uh, you know you wouldn't think that you know rick carlisle was here for rebuild maybe this is a bad sign yada yada I, you know i think that it, i think this is the best way to do a rebuild, blow everything up and yet still remain competitive and turn things around in a relatively quick fashion, as opposed to, Hey, you know what? We're going to tank the next four seasons and we get what we get. We'll see. So, I mean, they're getting a lot of draft capital. They're getting players that heck King, you know, if we're going by, you know, obviously not a big, you know, guy who's plugged into the Kings, apparently according to Kings Reddit, they have just traded away their entire franchise in in Halliburton. So, uh, I mean, it feels like the team is going in a good direction. It seems like we're getting a good mix of young players as well as draft capital. And it's still not over yet. The Pacers still can make some moves, which is really uh, interesting and fun to see. And they're not only making moves, but they're also shredding salary, which means that, you know, they can also add some, uh, you know, ancillary pieces here and there. So I'm really happy to see where they're going. Heck, just keep burning it down. Um, You know, originally when they made the Levert trade, um, that dropped the Pacers down to 95 million on the books for 2022 and 2023, and that was before the Sabonis trade. So I don't know what where that leaves them after that. Um, well, it's it's significant because Justin Holiday was still on the books for two more seasons. The only expiring contract the Pacers dumped in that deal 
was Jeremy Lamb. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, apparently, like when you are seeing headlines that the NBA world is in utter shock that the Pacers landed Tyrese Halliburton, you go, you must have done something right here. Because originally all the rumors were if Sabonis goes to Sacramento, De'Aaron Fox was, was, looking, was linked to those types of rumors. And all along, the Kings said Halliburton's off limits. He's untouchable. This kid is the f- our future. He's really good. And for this trade to come out and De'Aaron Fox is still with Sacramento and Halliburton is with the Pacers, some, everybody's like, the Pacers just fleeced the Kings. I mean, Sabonis is good, but holy moly, they just got a rising star who's still on a rookie contract that everybody is in agreement that this is a future star. And he's going to fit great. If, if they end up keeping Miles Turner, he's going to fit great with Miles Turner. And so it's like, wow, the, the Pacers actually do, do something good. I mean, if you look at this, these two moves, it, like you said, it is great to see that there's actually a direction that this team, you could see the direction. I wish the Colts had this kind of uh, roadmap. Um, but you can actually see it. I mean, look, this team has essentially, I mean, nothing is confirmed with where the 2022 second round pick that the Pacers landed, which is coming via Houston. It looks like the, the Pacers are going to have three picks within the top 35 this, this season. And to be honest, I don't know if the Pacers are done yet. I mean, if they're okay with Tristan Thompson as, as, as a center or, you know, I mean, they got Isaiah Jackson who's playing out of this world. I think if you're okay with Isaiah Jackson getting more PT, you go ahead and move Miles Turner if you can and see what you can get there. But I honestly, I don't think they're done. I think some of these moves that were made are actually setting up other moves. Like I would not be the least bit surprised to see Buddy Heald be on the move again. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that way. Like I know he's been linked, him and Miles Turner have been linked to the Lakers, but to be honest, I don't see what the Lakers have asset wise to give up in return. I mean, unless the Pacers are okay with taking on Westbrook's contract for the rest of this season. I mean, it, it is up afterwards, but is that something, I mean, I guess if you know, you're not going to win a championship, that's a, that's okay. Um, but the Lakers don't even have a first round pick until 2027. So you're looking way off in the future. And if you're looking for a quick rebuild, I don't think you want a 2027 or a 2028 first rounder by any stretch of the imagination there. So, I mean, I don't think they're done yet. But what they've done so far, if they said, okay, we are done, I'd be okay with that as well. Because this is going, this is an opportunity now to give these younger players the playing time. Like, obviously, the Pacers are playing tonight. The game may be over by now, but they had like nobody available except all these young players and Lance Stevenson. So, (laughs) I mean, but at the same time, I, I feel like this young team, everybody's so excited about these young players and getting to watch them. I feel like even if they're out there losing, fans are still going to show fans are going to show up even more so now to watch this team because they want to see these young players, the, the future of this team. And just because they've been fun to watch, at least, you know, yeah, they're not winning games, but at least they look good doing it. You know, it's not like it's a horrible 
product they're putting out on the court. It's just a young inexperienced product, which everybody can agree. That's, that's fine. I'm okay with that. So I love these moves. Everybody said the Pacers were going to be active come deadline time and they're not lying. I did not expect a full barn burner between with one team. And I did not expect it to be the Sacramento Kings to be at that. But the more I, I got, I'll be honest, I don't know much about the Sacramento Kings. I know who Buddy Heald is because watching him at Oklahoma, right. um, Tyrese Halliburton, I don't know much about, but reading what everybody's saying, it's like, whoa, this could be like, pairing Halliburton and Duarte and Isaiah Jackson in the future. This is, it's, it's it got a legitimate shot. And then if the Pacers can draft, I know everybody's clamoring for um, Jaden Ivey. The Pacers community wants Jaden Ivey because they think right around three or four where the Pacers possibly could be picking is where, where he could be. So I don't know. That could be this could be a fun team in the future. A totally different look to what the Pacers have been in the past with, you know, big men in the center and just powerful. And, you know, it's it's going to be a I think it, I think it could be a, a high flying, high scoring team and it, it, it has all the potential to be very exciting in the future I'm, I'm excited i'm interested to see how this all turns out yeah me too i because you know you mentioned about some of these pieces still being on the move and and honestly it's one of those things where i mean with the exception of like ricky rubio like i'm yeah. I, right I, I i a lot of the players that are getting back like you're okay if they move them except for maybe you know Halliburton. But you're also like okay if like you keep them as well. Like they're good players too. Yeah, I'd be okay with Buddy Hill. Right. But the, honestly, the addition of Buddy Hill makes me wonder if they don't move him, are they looking at moving Brogdon? I mean, yeah, moving it's Brogdon a, would definitely make sense, especially because they owe him so much, so much money, and he's been injured so much. Right. But I don't know. It's interesting, and it, it it's fun to actually you know see the breaking news and it be. Pacers related. Yeah. And that's, good that's news fun. at that. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, there was a moment there. I was like, Oh, I'm a little disappointed to see Sabonis go. Cause you oh, know, yeah. he's a, For he's sure. a good player. I remember watching him his first game here in Indy uh, sitting next to a Pacers super fan courtside. And he was like, I, he was asking me about these new guys. And I said, Oh, that's DeMontis Sabonis. He goes, wait, is that Ardunia Sabonis's kid? I was like, uh, yeah, he is. And he was like, oh my gosh. I remember watching this guy, his, his dad play. And, you know, he never, Sabonis just always kind of, he was, he was a hard worker. And I was, I, I thought honestly, the best player to be picked up in that trade with, for Paul George, I thought it was going to be Sabonis, to be honest. I didn't think Oladipo was going to play like he, he did, did, but I, yeah, but I was like, I knew, I was like, Sabonis is honestly, He's, you, you saw that potential there that first season, and all of a sudden it just blew up. And it's like, yep. And so it's unfortunate that the Pacers, this, the Pacers got into this situation where they had to, you know, kind of blow the whole thing up because I thought Sabonis would have – I really wanted to see him succeed here in Indy. I mean, this is what – the Kings are now his fourth team in his young career, and he's an all-star. That's yeah. – <laughs> that's crazy to think because he was with the thunder. magic thunder pacers kings yeah uh, last thing i'll say on it is this i mean you look at two different outlooks and you mentioned the paul george trade when the pacers traded oladipo last year 
you just kind of were like, what do we, what do we do? Like, I don't know what, like we, they got Levert. There was some optimism around that, but at the same time, you kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, we thought Oladipo was our guy. And, and, and I remember when, you know, the Pacers made that trade, you know, for Oladipo and Sabonis and you're like, we don't know who, I don't really know who the Sabonis guy is, but then they only got Oladipo for fan service. So I guess we'll see. And it ended up being this, you know, really good tandem of players. Uh, but this time around, even though you're like, yeah, we can lament Sabonis's time here. It's overshadowed, not overshadowed necessarily, but it's coupled right there with it, with the excitement of what this team could be in the future. Whereas when the Pacers traded, you know, Oladipo for Levert last year, you're just kind of like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. But what's interesting is you brought bring that up. Everybody wants to go, well, all those trades failed then. No, no. Just follow, connect the dots with me for a second. Essentially, the Pacers traded Paul George now for uh, a, a late first round pick, an early second round pick, um, an expiring contract in Ricky Rubio, a rising star in Tyrese Halliburton, uh, a, a a veteran and Buddy Heald and filler and Tristan Thompson. They turned Paul George essentially into three draft picks. Well, I think they moved one of them. So two draft picks and four players and really three players. So that that's, that's a lot that if you, because the pieces that have been moved outside of Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday, who were free agent signings, the pieces that have been moved all originated from Paul George being traded to Oklahoma City in well, some shape or another. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it took about three or four years to get there, but hey, we got there. <laughs> to hey. that point. <laughs> it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Very true. Very true. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. That was our Super Bowl preview. Got it some Pacers and Pro Bowl talk in there as well. B Scott and I are both picking the Rams. Uh, remember that you can follow us at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. You can uh, go uh, to our YouTube channel. Go subscribe over there. 3C Media on TikTok as well. We've got a lot of great content over there, so make sure you are locked into that. Remember, you can watch us live every week, twitch.tv slash Crash. Um, and remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. You can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. So I hope everybody enjoys their Super Bowl. We're going to have a lot to talk about even after the Super Bowl. So make sure you're locked in. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, have a good week, everybody.